What is up and welcome to The Exchange. I'm your host, Kelvin Clark, and today we will be talking about mental illness and the effects of it, specifically on students. Now, I'm here with two lovely ladies from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, otherwise known as NAMI, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves and their roles in NAMI. Okay. I'm Sue Marlowe, and I am a board member of NAMI Columbus. Okay. And I'm Mimi Marlowe. I'm a member, um, and I'm a family member of several people who have a diagnosis. I am the one that has the diagnosis. Okay, okay. We're going to get into that in a sec. One thing I want to explain for the listeners at home is what exactly is NAMI? Because they're probably sitting here like, what is the purpose Mm -hmm. of this? There's a drink called NAMI. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But our NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Okay. And what we do... Mm-hmm. is help people that have a diagnosis or think they have a diagnosis live, learn to live better lives with the illness. Okay. A lot of people don't know that they can reach recovery and live in the community and mm-hmm. have great lives. Mm-hmm. So we're an advocate organization primarily made up of people with a diagnosis and their family members and friends. So we aren't mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, we aren't resources uh, in the community, but we are people with lived experience. Wow. So this is everyone involved in NAMI yeah. has gone through the experience, mental illness. To with some either extent. themselves or mm-hmm. a family or friend. Right. Okay. So the next question will possibly be define what is considered mental illness. Well, there's a number of different mental illnesses. Uh-huh. Uh, anxiety, depression. There's a combination schizoaffective, which is a little bit of bipolar and a little yeah. bit of schizophrenia. Uh-huh. Uh, Uh, schizophrenia, um, borderline personality disorder, all the different personality disorders. So there's really two types, two categories. One is called situational, primarily depression, grief, things Mm -hmm. like that. And then there is a a big classification called severe and persistent mental illnesses. And those are the ones that Sue just described. Okay. Um, And there's a whole book about what symptoms look like and all of that. For a majority of those mental illnesses, what age does it typically start to show? Like, what is the age range for this where you start to see symptoms? Usually 12, 13, 14, you're starting to see some symptoms. Yeah. And if it goes unchecked, it gets worse. Okay. Typically, a true mental illness will not get better on its own, no matter how much you white knuckle it. Uh Uh-huh. So the most typical age is in the late teens Uh to early 20s, oftentimes when students go off to college because that's Mm. a big change in their environment and everything, and so they might have their first break at that point. Okay. What about, okay, Mimi, um, please share a little bit about your story. Um, About 12, um, I started having anxiety. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was making my stomach upset all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have the words for it. Uh-huh. A lot of kids don't. Yeah. Uh, and then it progressed into major depression. Now, I went 40 years without treatment. Wow. And I was miserable. Wow. And so were some of her family members. <laughs> <laughs> for really? those of I you mean, guys that don't know, they're both sisters. <laughs> we can laugh about that now. <laughs> but sometimes when it's happening, not so funny. Right. Because <laughs> one of the symptoms of depression is not anger, it's rage. Wow. And now, what's so, the difference between rage, rage and anger? Oh, rage is I could kill somebody. Mm-hmm. This moment, if I had a knife or a gun, 
I could kill somebody. Could and, that include yourself? Oh, well, it did. Okay. <laughs> I went so long without treatment that mm-hmm. um, about 45 years into it, I yeah. tried to kill myself. Wow. And, and almost succeeded, too. Wow. And the medical center says there's no reason I should be alive. Wow. Going back to the anger and rage, like, I get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, I would say I display some rage, but it's very short-lived. And mm-hmm. it's usually um, not a surprise to people. They can kind of see me getting mad about something. Mm-hmm. But the rage, they often say that with depression, rage comes from... Uh, when you turn it outside yourself, and mm-hmm. depression comes from when you turn fear and all those other things internally. So mm-hmm. it's like very explosive to the point where you just don't even know what's going on. When I would be raging, yeah. I would see the look in my sister's eyes, and it was fear. Wow. And she would get out of there fast. And I'm not usually a fearful person. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Personality is very strong, yeah. so I can... I can tell that that's not a, a trait for you, but right. my question for you, because I'm just, it's popping up in my head. Now, you ladies both um, are no strangers to a lot of what's going on in the news with right. mass shootings and all of those things that are right. occurring, um, the gun violence and whatnot. Would you say that, because you're hitting on rage, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is touched on when we read about it, we see it. We hear different things about it. We always hear rage is what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Rage is what I saw. Do you see that possibly mental illness can even lead up to possibly a mass shooting right. to some extent? I believe that Nicholas Cruz in the Parkland shooting yes. had depression. He had lost his mother weeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, and even before that, his mother was trying to get him help. Yes. After she died, he was trying to get himself help. He even called 911 one time and said, I'm miserable, help me. Uh-huh. And nobody helped him. Wow. And, and having said that, very often people with a mental illness are the victims of crime, not the perpetrators. Usually mm-hmm. people who, who have rage attacks, that mm-hmm. I'm aware of, don't go out and shoot people. Even yes. if they have guns, they don't, that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. More often than not, as Sue said, they become victims of, of violence, not perpetrators of it. But mm-hmm. it could explain sometimes. Yeah, I would go into my bedroom and shut and lock the door for days. Wow. Uh, because I had terrible depression. Mm-hmm. And so people with depression aren't going to want to leave the house or their bedroom. Uh-huh. Just to interact in a normal family setting can be very, very difficult and trying for them. When you have depression, when yes. I had depression, I didn't know where I was going to find the energy to take my next breath. Wow. You could want to take a breath, uh-huh. but you don't have the energy to do it. It's really unfortunate. A little short snippet about me. I've also struggled with depression, and I have struggled to want to take my own life. As a mm-hmm. kid, I was molested. Mm-hmm. So I was molested, and... I, for years as a kid, I struggled with my identity. I struggled with trying to handle it. And I, and I felt like nobody understood. Right. I felt like I was talking to myself. And, and so do you, you understand what I'm saying about my depression? Uh, yes. 110%. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And family members can try their best, mm-hmm. but they're not going to know fully 
what yes. it feels like unless they've had it. Yes. So people need to be careful to say, oh, I understand. Yeah, you've had depression. Yeah, it, it's, and that's another thing. There's so many people um, say, and this, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. We always hear these, oh, I have PTSD. And I'm like, okay, you know, I would ask them to elaborate. And then they'll go, uh, well, I was tripped and I was severely embarrassed in front of my friends. So every time somebody sticks their foot out, that might be the case. But And, and, and it yeah. could be, Kelvin, because okay. everybody's trauma is different. Okay. That's the thing we have to know. Mm-hmm. Yes. What and, sounds like something like get over it to you yeah. could yes. be something very, because of yeah. other things that might have happened to that person that um, you don't even know about. Yes, yes. Um They've done a lot of research right now on trauma-induced mental illness. Uh And so once that trauma happens, whatever it is that that person experienced Mm -hmm. as trauma, if they don't get treatment for it, it can morph into mental illness. Gotcha. And it doesn't always, treatment doesn't always mean mean medication. It often does, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be. But it needs to be some counseling, talking about it, things like that. If you yes. just let it sit inside you and not do anything with it, yeah. that's when the rage and the explosions can come. NAMI recommends to its consumer members or its peer members, whatever you want to call us, mm-hmm. um, that the start of medication is only the start of treatment. It's medication. Okay. It's counseling. Because you have to unlearn those years of maladaptive behaviors i love that word (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah and that's what counseling does speaking of counseling that leads me to my next question which um would be tell me about nami connection anytime you see the term nami connection it Mm -hmm. means it's a support group only Mm -hmm. for people who have a diagnosis or Mm -hmm. think they may have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And what they get, non-judgmental support. And we help people navigate the rough road because it's hard to know what to do for everything. But we help people navigate getting the treatment they need. Mm -hmm. So you want to be careful. We are, as I said earlier, NAMI is not a mental health professional group. It is um, just people with lived experience. I shouldn't say just. It is people with lived experience. So you're going to meet other people. Mm-hmm. Sue and, and uh, others will meet e- people who understand, who are going through some of the same things, who have found ways to make their recovery more robust and everything so mm-hmm. that they can go on to lead happier, better lives. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing we bring is hope. This is actually funny because I wanted to ask, too, can you be happy? Oh, um, I'm so at, freaking happy today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about tomorrow. (laughs) I take it a day at a time, and today I am happy. Mm -hmm. And I could never have said that before. Mm -hmm. There wasn't one day, one birthday, one Christmas, nothing Mm -hmm. where I was happy. We could tell you stories about people once they got into recovery who have gone on to get their college degrees, their Uh master's, their Ph.D. have become... Who have struggled. Listen, we got... Mariah Carey now just coming out right. Yes, with, uh, yes, yes, yes. I was going to bring that up in the second half, but yeah. yes, you ladies. She couldn't talk it. about it, but mm-hmm. she did get some help. Yeah. While other people are, you know, talking negative about her. Yes, right? yes. If only somebody could tell her about Nami Connect. Yes, I mean to be perfectly honest, I think some people would probably prefer. Obviously, you do need professional help. You know, mm-hmm. there's some things are that's so severe that you need to go and get professional help for. And I'm not advocating for them to skip that. Right. But to be around people who 
understand you, who see you for who you truly are. Because I think when we see people with mental illness, it's like, oh, they're weird. Oh, they're free. That behavior oh, me, and all that stuff. Yeah, man. put them in a looting bin, loony bin and let's move on. Lock them up. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But they are not. They're everyday people. They're our neighbors. They're our sisters. They're our brothers. They're our mothers. They have jobs. They, you know, they are normal people. Yeah. They can live normal lives. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I do everything that somebody without a diagnosis does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I would say is that you probably need both counseling and support. Mm-hmm. And as you get better, you need less frequent visits to the psychiatrist, et cetera, and stuff. But mm-hmm. you probably are always going to need that support to kind of keep you normalized among your peer group and, and other people. Okay. And it's not a sit around the round table, everybody complaining about their lot in life. Yeah. It's who here has had this guy's prop and found something that works. Mm-hmm. We but don't want to hear all the stuff that hasn't worked. Very solution-oriented. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, okay, so for the listeners out there, we are, this is a two-parter. So the first part is with these two lovely ladies, but we are going to come back after this break, and then we'll be speaking with survivors who have struggled with mental illness, but also have conquered it with the help of NAMI. But before that, I do want to ask these two ladies right here, if for those, that person, that one person who's listening to us who has struggled with mental illness and they're going, this is me, how can I get the help? How can I get in touch with you guys? What are some ways for they can get in touch with you? They, for one thing, they can go online mm-hmm. and locate. They can go to NAMI.org, yes. which is our national organization. Yes. And uh, click on Find Support. Yeah. And it'll take you to Georgia, which will take you to NAMI Columbus. Yeah. And you should be able to then get um, an email address, a website, telephone number, contact information and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I would suggest, too, if they feel comfortable enough to do this, to maybe try and go to the support group. You don't have to say anything other than you can just sit and listen and see what is this that's going on is this something that could help me where would the support group be located we have three different weekly support groups okay one is at the bradley center on uh saturday afternoons mm-hmm. one is at uh thursday nights at pierce chapel church mm-hmm. and the other is on monday nights at um Lutheran Church of the Redeemer on Armor Road. And is that information on the website? It will be. Okay. The website is in the process right under now. Constru- under renovation. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. So I'm guessing your Facebook page, your Twitter yes. page, all of those will be open also for yes. those people to get that information as well. And yeah. if they want to call, they can call our office and leave a message because our mm. Office at the Bradley Center is not staffed all the time, only by appointment. Okay. You can always leave a message and ask someone to call you. Um, do you ladies know the number um, at the top? By heart. <laughs> okay. 706-320-3755. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, ladies, so much. And when we come back, we will have these great survivors here that will also let us know on what to expect and their testimonials. White Ruben come back on the exchange. My entire life I was expected to be happy. People thought I was happy all the time, but in reality on the inside, I was truly dying, stressed out and struggling to deal with my depression. While I'd go to class and go to work as if nothing was wrong. That was until NAMI came along to provide the help that I needed to move forward. If you were like that, please check out NAMI.org for more information.
Welcome back to The Exchange. Today we are speaking on mental illness and the effects of it, and also an organization that it prides itself on helping and lending hand to those who struggle with it, which is NAMI. So I have three amazing guests here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and also tell us about the struggles that they have faced with mental illness. Hi, I'm Aubrey. Um, I have bipolar disorder type 2 um, and generalized anxiety disorder. I was diagnosed when I was in college. So mm-hmm. I made it through college. But um, since then, I've struggled to really hold down a job and to really just live the way I feel like everybody else my age is living. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm single. I don't have kids. I don't really want them. But, yeah. you know, I still look around and it's like everybody else is at this level. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, I feel like I'm dragging behind. But... You know, I got a legit excuse. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel, I'm sorry, but do you feel a little bit depressed maybe? I don't want to put words in your no, mouth no, about ahead. that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be, you know, completely feel like I'm in a good place because, to be honest, um, my diagnosis was 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. this year, 10 years ago. And um, my medication is great. I've been pretty stable for the last, well, this year. I guess mm-hmm. last year I had kind of had a big development in my life and um, kind of knocked me off kilter, but I've recovered mm-hmm. fairly well from that. Um, I tried to go back to work because I thought, you know, everything's good. I'm mm-hmm. air quotes normal, but um, that didn't work out so well. Um, I was still struggling, you know, feeling like I had to get up some every day and put on my happy person mask Yes. Um, to deal with strangers. Um, it's much easier to deal with people that know me. Yes. Um, so, um, I lost my train of thought. That no. al- that also happens. Um, no, it's fine. It's definitely it's fine. A, a medication side effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have big. This this holes. is me. Um, I'm sure some of the listeners are yeah. used to me oh, losing my train of thought all the time. Yeah, like just <laughs> all the it's, time. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. Um, so I did like I made it through college, and then there are times where even though my therapy is going well, mm-hmm. and I consider myself to be in a relatively stable, good position, mm-hmm. I feel happy. Yeah. Um, or content. Um, mm-hmm. I still look at my life and I think I'm still not where I should be. But we all know Sue's saying about should. And I might agree. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Sue, honestly, because it's so easy to be caught up in should. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot. Oh, you should be looking right. for that white wife right now. You should right. be looking for that perfect job. I get that so often from my family. And they're probably listening, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, And they're probably cringing. Should I tell them that that's not helpful? Yes. Well, I tell them that all the time. They they don't like it. But, yeah, it's one of those things you have to live your life. And they know this, ultimately. Yeah. But um, I think they just like to control. But, uh, yeah, it's all about you living where you're comfortable. Right. And life is a very uncomfortable situation, you know? Just, it, like, it, to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And the should thing, I, I feel like as soon as you turn a certain age, those responsibilities and those expectations are thrust upon you. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, it's detrimental for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just to like, I mean, n- not really mental health related, but like mm-hmm. all my life, I knew I didn't want children. Yeah. I've known I was not going to have children. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I'm 37 and I still get people saying, no, you'll change your mind. No, 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 no. I, I'm pretty sure I know yes. at this point in my life what works for me. Yes. So, yes. you know, just comparing yourself to other mm-hmm. people isn't isn't helpful. It, it mm-hmm. 
And um, before I go on to Steven, I wanted to say there's an actual really good, I love podcast. I'm a nerd. But uh, there's a super soul conversation with Oprah and Shonda Rhimes where they talk about their desires and not having desires for kids. Right. And Oprah's very explicit. She knew and she talks about that all the time, how people always want to thrust that on her. She knows that that's not the path for her. And she, if she was to have it, it wouldn't work. And you just know, you just know your, you know yourself better than anybody else. Right. So yeah. And I can't, let me, I'm sorry. I just want to interject something. Um, I am working as an artist right now. Like I make a living that I yeah. just, such as I can. Um, so like, I don't necessarily use my college degree and I don't necessarily have a nine to five job, mm-hmm. but I am doing the things that make me happy and mm-hmm. earning money when I can. Yes. And that in and of itself has been a big help allowing myself to say you know to myself it's okay if you don't have a nine-to-five job yes just because everybody else you know has one doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it works for you yeah so it it really does it just boils down to you know what works for the individual person yes very much steven hello how are you i'm doing well thank you how are you (laughs) i'm doing pretty good pretty good please tell us about a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the struggles you deal with um, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar type 2, so I struggle more so with the depression mm-hmm. other than the mania. The yes. depression uh, bipolar scale, you have the mania, which is way up, and the depression, which is way down. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was diagnosed with major depression in mm-hmm. mid-90s after yes. a major suicide attempt after college. Yeah. And um, I took the news. Uh, I was kind of relieved because I knew there was an answer to why I had been struggling emotionally because I always felt something was wrong because I didn't particularly care about living. But I also did not want to have that tag on my name, crazy. Mm -hmm. I just thought that uh, this was like kind of a death sentence, so to speak, because I didn't want to have to deal with the stigma that comes with it. Yes, yes. And I mean, the stigma is way so heavy on it. Um, I want to say personally, I like I've never personally dealt with anybody who's had bipolar disorder, but I, I think the only thing that I'm familiar with, I don't know if you guys know the um, show Homeland on, show, on Showtime, the main character, leading lady, Carrie, um, I think Carrie, I can't remember her last name, but she has bipolar. And I think that's kind of the dynamic and it plays on the mania and the depression. The one thing about that show is I, de- I never, I always thought bipolar was something where it was just all over the place and to an extent it is but it's normalized it's not how we would want to think of it it's all over the place but there are patterns Mm -hmm. there are cycles Um, Mm -hmm. i'm currently in a hypomanic cycle yeah because of the the weather yeah yes it's it's cycles and i didn't realize that and the show is so respectful they have actual people who have bipolar writing the scripts (laughs) and making sure when she's acting it's genuine and it's not something, oh, an actor created in their head. But it's literally, there's times where she's doing amazing. And you forget that the character actually has it. And then there's times where, okay, we're starting to see that play into effect and play into her everyday life. So I think that was my first interaction. And I say that because a lot of us, we don't really see that every day. Yeah, I think uh, going back to where we were talking about the stigma, because I hear people use terms like, oh, so-and-so is bipolar because they have mood swings. Mm-hmm. Well, that may or may not be the case is, yeah. of course, it takes a professional to make the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And it takes honesty on the part of the individual to say, these are the things that I go through on a daily basis. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times with mania can come risk-taking behavior. 
Yes. It could be lack of sleep. It could be yes. excessive partying, drinking, hypersexuality. It could mm-hmm. be a lot of things. And then on the other side with the depression for me, which is the end I tend to stay more on. Mm-hmm. It's not wanting to be around people. Yes. So the, the challenge in my treatment is getting me out of the depression, but not so high that I go into mania. Yes. It's his own struggle for every person. Other, exactly. Other, yes. In other words. Um, awesome. Ventrine. That's right. Ventrine. Okay. okay. Y'all, y'all, please be patient because your boy is struggling with names <laughs> a little bit. But um, she has a very beautiful name. And I do not want to butcher it. Um, so please correct me if I get it wrong on air. It's fine. But please tell us a little bit about yourself and about your struggle. Well, um, <clears throat> I initially got my diagnosis in late 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me at the moment, it was very traumatic because prior to that incident, I, I wouldn't have thought that I was suffering from anything. What were you diagnosed with? I was diagnosed with bipolar type 2 okay. disorder with psychotic features. Okay. Wow. And you were 14? I'm sorry. It was in 2014. Uh, 14, so I'm sorry. Coming I'm sorry. up on four years now. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so what age were you when, that, when you were told that? I was 23. Wow. And it was just, um, it was a really big hurdle because at the time, you know, like, like um, someone mentioned earlier, when people call people bipolar, even mm-hmm. it's a joking nature, mm-hmm. you think of this erratic person. Yeah. When really it's someone just dealing with the ups and downs of everyday life. Yes. Um, yeah. In the simplest form. And yeah. some of the things that I've struggled with really is just getting to people to understand what it is. And it's almost as if they're trying to associate a face with the disorder. It's yes. faceless. It could yeah. be anybody. Yes. Wow. Um, personally for you, well, not just for you, Stephen and Aubrey. But yeah, I want to also talk about religion. How does religion play into that? Okay, do you want to do the um, disclaimer here for part one? I'll let Aubrey do the disclaimer about NAMI. I'm just going to do a general disclaimer, you guys. NAMI is not a religiously affiliated organization. Uh, We do have two weekly meetings located at churches. But uh, beyond that, there is no religious aspect of the meeting at all. So do not let the location deter you from coming. Mm -hmm. So with that said, how has your illness and religion played into your life because a lot of people just from i've seen friends and other people other family members specifically in the black community because i can only speak from my experience i've seen it buried where people do not want you to speak out saying that you have a mental illness or if you do there it's the pray way method yeah. Oh, just pray about pray it. it just pray. Yeah, pray about it. Baby. It's like fine. That. Yeah. Pray it away. That'll yeah. Do it. Yes. So for you, for each and every one of you, let's go down the line here and let's talk about our experience with that. Okay. Well, I am per- not actually a very religious person at all. I haven't been for a very long time. We, mm-hmm. When I was small, we grew up going with my grandparents to Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and hearing the the pastor preach about some things. I was just like, I don't agree with this. So Mm -hmm. I stopped going. (laughs) And in college, like I looked, you know, I looked at other religions. I was trying to, you know, I was like, obviously this is a thing. People do it. Is there something wrong with me? It it really ties in a lot to like uh, mental illness because I thought something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have the same level of faith that other people I know have. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm broken. Um, But that's not really the case. It's just that, like we mentioned a minute ago, it's just that for me, no one religion has it all right. 
Yes. And so um, religion doesn't play a part other than for me to kind of think if there is one capital G God, man, this sucks. Why would you do this to people that didn't under like didn't deserve it? Like mm-hmm. I did nothing to deserve the torture of a mental illness. Like, so why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, through my pain, other people can learn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Steven? Yeah, that's a really good question about the religion. Uh, I can say my religious experience or faith has evolved because of my experience with mental illness. Uh, growing up, I heard everything from, um, well, you need to get that demon of depression out of you. Mm-hmm. If you have enough faith, you will not struggle with this. Yes. Uh, well, my, one of my favorites, uh, if you're a Christian, if you're really dedicated in following Christ, you won't have these kinds of struggles. Yes. They use it more so as a tool of yeah. punishment. So, like, yeah. I became yes. very disillusioned. And even till this day, there are certain conversations I will not have with about the Bible with people because I think, quite frankly, some people are full of it and they yeah. project their religious beliefs onto you because it, it fits a mold. Mm-hmm. You were talking about with the African-American community. I had a family tell me, oh, you know, that's just that, that's just that white folks disease, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, really? How's that been working out for you? You drink yourself to sleep every night. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's neither here nor there. I'm sure they had a legitimate reason. They were just taking the edge off. Uh, but um, so I think uh, slowly that is changing. Like mm-hmm. NAMI has been involved uh, recently. One of the local uh, Greek organizations uh, invited us to do uh, presentation. In fact, Sue Marlowe, who spoke earlier, did a fantastic job speaking. I think it was the AKAs. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been to churches, to at health fairs, mm-hmm. because there's this recognition, like a local pastor told me, who happens to be a friend of mine, uh, he pastors a predominantly black church, and he said, I'm starting to realize now that there are some things that are beyond my scope of expertise. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody came to him with problems with their heart, he'll send them, okay, go see a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with mental health. And uh, I'm not going to go to the Bible to learn how to program you yeah. know, a computer. Yeah. It's just not in there. Yes. So there, you know, when people say things, I think, okay, you know, if God exists. I don't think he gave me my brain to put on the back yes. burner somewhere. It's yeah. Like, oh yeah. Faith is going to cure yes. everything. Because personally for me, I'm a Christian, but I do believe faith, and this is in the Bible, faith without works is dead. And I think a lot of people want to equate, oh, just pray about it. And you can't, it's more than prayer. God only helps those who don't, who can't help themselves. So you can't put yourself in that position to just send someone on their way if they're struggling with something. And it's, you know, my heart, you know, it really cries for people who struggle with it because here are these people who are supposed to represent uh, a man who cares and loves exactly. and unity, and then here you go turning someone away. Yeah, um, everybody's not like that, but a, a large amount, too many people are like many. that. And I think and, it's yeah. changing slowly. Uh, when I was in my teens, uh, a church wanted to do an exorcism on me, and I was like, oh, wow. "Really?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do it." in the evening in the woods and it's like okay i've seen this horror movie before well, i don't think i don't you, you guys are good you know i've seen children of the corn i don't think i'm going i read about that um professional professional exorcists what they do is they go in to decide to see if someone's actually possessed or if they have a mental illness yeah and those are the two choices so that's it's very interesting it's very cut and dry Yes, you're either possessed or mental illness. Like no, 
and no image. I was going to say, like, e- even knowing, like, my position and um, I have very religious family members, I have an aunt that constantly, you know, will ask me, how are you doing? I'm like, I got some anxiety today. Oh, you just need to pray. Yes. It's very, and what I've learned, it's very uncomfortable for them. Right. They, it's, so un- it's, it's so uneasy. And I've been in situations where I have to tell some people some hard news. It's like, look, everything ain't right over here. Right. Oh, well, just pray it away. Get back into your devotions. Get back into the Bible. Are you reading your Bible every right. day? Blah, 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 blah. And all of those, you know, there may be some truth in that for, in some of those things, but it's a lot, a large part of it is for them to feel more comfortable. They have to have with a constant. Eye. Yes, it's a it's yes. a centuries, a centuries, uh, whatever you call it, thousand year chunks. Yes, thousand year chunks old constants. And so yeah. if I stick to this constant, your irrational behavior, even though it's sci- scientifically explained, your irrational behavior can be fixed with my constant. Yes, it makes sense for them. Yes, I, I'm all the way with that. Yeah. And I was like, I told someone one time, I said. First of all, you're assuming I don't pray. And secondly, I will start receiving treatment when you hand me over your blood pressure medicine and your <laughs> insulin. Yes. Because obviously yeah. you don't have enough faith that God can cure you from this uh, diabetes. Yes. So yes. Yeah. It's just one of those things where yeah. if you're going to be consistent, use yes. that same logic all right. the way around. Exactly. exactly. Don't, don't pray away one thing. Pray yes. it all away. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's go into NAMI. And how has NAMI affected you guys, each and every one of you, in your own way? Um, let's see. I first um, was introduced to NAMI probably in 2000, 2010, I think. Sue, I'm looking at Sue. Um, <laughs> I um, I can't even, like, gosh, I was so, I was so distraught at the time. Mm-hmm. I was uh, borderline suicidal. I had suicidal ideations, which is where you're like one step away. Yeah. You've kind of got all, you've got a plan, mm-hmm. you've got a tool, you yeah. know what you're going to do, mm-hmm. but you're, part of you is still saying no. Like, yeah. And that's, that's when you, you know, it's like, so I went to the, I went to St. Francis and, mm-hmm. um, Went to the ER there for, like, emergency. You know, I had somebody with me. I was just like, I'm not going to be safe if I stay by myself. And so we went to the uh, the ER thinking that I would just be um, admitted for, like, a 24-hour mm-hmm. watch. And they actually wanted to send me out to, what's the place on Chambo? West Central. West Central. They they couldn't hold me at St. Francis for a, a psyche vow. So mm-hmm. they had to send me to West Central for a psyche vow. And they wouldn't let the person with me go, like, take me. Yeah. I had to, because I had come to the ER, and that's the thing is, like, there are a lot of rules and regulations. So mm. because I had come to the ER presenting with ideations, mm. um, they had to call a, I believe it was a sheriff, or, yeah, it was a sheriff. And the sheriff that took me to West Central was probably one of the kindest people I have ever encountered in a crisis situation. Wow. Aside from the people in this room with me. Yes. Um, because he, I mean, like he, he gave me Sue's card. He gave me Sue's business card. He yes. said, you know, um, he was like, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. You know? uh-huh. um, he was like, get in touch with these people. I think they could help you out. Because at the time I had just moved back from Birmingham. It was after college. I had moved back home mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know where to go. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in Tuscaloosa, I had the safety of the campus 
Yeah. Um, so I now I was an adult. I was on my own. I I didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And so Sue and the NAMI gang really kind of stepped in. And um, my first, I went to a um, I went to a group meeting first. Sue led it, and if I'm not mistaken, Stephen was there too. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember. And I didn't speak for my first meeting until mm-hmm. maybe the very end. I maybe shared, you know, my name and my diagnosis. But they literally just let me sit at that table and listen to them and enter, I mean, be there, be present. Yes. Without the pressure to have to out myself really or say anything. Yeah. You know, just by being there, they knew that, you know, I was struggling. And just by being there, I knew that they had struggled. Yes. And so it was a very it was a very real sense of like community and a very Mm -hmm. real sense of feeling in a way that I had come into a, a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done theater for many, many years, and you'll hear theater people joke about it, it being a family. Any, yes. Anytime you go to a theater, you're home. I'm a theater minor, so yeah. Yay. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so it was very much like that sense of community. Mm-hmm. I went in and, you know, I bawled my eyes out. like just, And I, I wasn't comfortable enough to vocalize what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't even really, you hadn't been in therapy long enough to have the words. Wow. And it's Mm -hmm. just now, you know, in the recent 10 years that I've been able to really speak intelligently. Yes. I said that word right. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I I thought I was going to trip on it. Um, (laughs) You and me with the names. And you just got the word. I got the right. Yes, you get, yeah, five points. Five points. Gold star. I get another gold star today. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it just yeah. it really they really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that as alone as I had been feeling for all these years, mm-hmm. I really wasn't. Yeah, I just you, it, you had someone there, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then like you heard, you know, Steven's got pretty much the same diagnosis as I do. Like mm-hmm. I know he knows what it's like to be miserable. Yes, and to just want to curl up and just not exist. Yes, Steven, since you guys both share a lot of similarities. Um, for you, how has NAMI kind of, because did you come there before? Um, yes, it might have yeah. been like yes. 2009, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Either late 2008, 2009. Okay. And I found out about NAMI. There was a article in the Ledger Inquirer. Yeah. About uh, homelessness and mental illness in the community. Uh-huh. And Sue Marlowe, her name will keep coming up. Yeah. <laughs> She's like one of the, the backbones of the organization. Yes. She's like the mecca of NAMI. Like yeah. we, all, we all go to her. She was interviewed for the article, and there was contact information. And so I wrote, and, you know, she mm-hmm. was, like, at my door a few days later, like, hey, you come join us. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. <laughs> they are very, like, they're very into recruiting. Come so join us. I went to a support yes. group me- meeting oh. very reluctantly, not knowing who I would see there and how I would react. But mm-hmm. just like Aubrey said, I went, I sat. I might have said a few words the first time, but it was very comforting because I didn't feel judged. Yes. I didn't feel like I was going to have to walk in there and defend myself. Yes. That was one of the main uh, things that attracted me to NAMI, and it's really been a godsend. That's probably the best way to explain it is you know they're not judging you. Yes. They know, you know it. And for, um, for me, NAMI has been a constant. It's almost like a syllabus, like when you're in college courses for anyone college age listening, you're like, man, what's due this week? What's due next week? 
you can go and you can find all your information. Mm-hmm. You can find tips and tricks. You can find um, positive reinforcements, things to do yes. like that. Mm-hmm. And so really, like I said, the best word is a constant. It's just a staple, a guideline mm-hmm. to help you get to where you have to go, well, where you can go and be successful mm-hmm. and going and through life. And awesome. I think one thing Nami really taught me or really helped me realize is that, like, the doctor works for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that was one of the first lessons that Nami kind of ingrained in me is that, you know, they're, they're my, that's my team. Like, it's yes. up to me. Like, like she said, a constant. And they, mm-hmm. they've always got your back. We were actually running a little bit low on time. I'm so sorry about that. But I do want to ask you guys this last question before we go. What would you say to someone that is afraid to start treatment in any form or fashion? Um, someone who is concerned about what their family or friends would think, how would you, what, some, what is some advice that you would give them for that listener that is in that position right now? Um, I would definitely say they should not be afraid to reach out and get help. Yes. Um, there's so many resources. Go to NAMI.org yeah. and just don't be afraid to reach out and get help. Tell yes. someone. Yes. Trin, do you want to? Uh, One thing I would say, uh, most diagnoses are common when you're younger. So, you know, this is a a very interesting time in your life. So if you feel that you may have something uh, displayed that may uh, match some of the things that we talk about, you know, feel free to go to the counseling center is a little bit intimidating because it's just, oh, I'm crazy. I have to be here for counseling. Go to someone you trust. Go to one of your faculty advisors, one of your uh, mm-hmm. other students on campus responsible mm-hmm. for student life and activity mm-hmm. So just, you know, always talk to someone first and always just know help is here. Yes. And I think I would just expound on that by saying um, baby steps, baby steps. The first mm-hmm. step is like they say in AA, um, <laughs> thinking, thinking you've got a problem. And then from there, it's just small steps towards small amounts of progress. You know, uh, like Ventrine said, speak to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, then, have an appointment, then go to a group. Be kind to yourself. Right, be kind to yourself. Yeah, definitely. Don't beat yourself up. I think so many people, you know, they beat themselves up once they they found out about that. Oh, okay. Real, real, real real quick. I wanted to um, hit on the Mariah Carey situation. She's just recently come out in People Magazine stating about that she has struggled with bipolar disorder for many years. Stigma. How do you guys fight the stigma? If we can get it like maybe two or three words. I think I'm lucky. I'm I'm kooky enough that I get away. Okay. I'm so I like mm-hmm. I can hide my mm-hmm. it's a it's an invisible illness. So I can hide it enough that when people meet me there is no stigma. Yes. They don't see it. Yes. Um so to some extent I I I'm lucky I'm lucky to say I don't experience a lot of stigma. Yeah. Um in that in that area. Okay. I guess that's not No, helpful. no, no. That's no, it is. Helpful. It's completely helpful. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. I'm just crazy, so people let me get away with it? No. <laughs> no. She's really I would cool. say, yeah. Yeah, she, she really yeah. is. She is having the whole room laugh over here. <laughs> A complete See, jokester I, here. They don't let me out of the house much. <laughs> I would say uh, speaking out, just yeah. like what we're doing here. I try to get involved in as many of these advocacy mm-hmm. functions as possible. Okay. Because the more people speak out, the more people get the word. Yeah, that's the yes. biggest thing is is if you have knowledge, share your knowledge. Yes. If you have an experience, share your experience. Yes. Ventrine? Um, One thing I would say is that it doesn't define you. If anything, it's just, it's just something that you're an athlete, you're a singer, mm-hmm. you have a mental illness. Yes. It's okay. 
Yeah. And I think that will be it for us. For you guys who are interested, please go to NAMI.org for all information that is NAMI, that's dealing with mental illness, um, support groups that you can find near you if you're not in the Columbus area. And I want to thank everybody who was here today who kind of made this possible. Also, a quick thanks to the team that kind of got this together. Um, Our group comm communication group. Uh, Thank you guys so, 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 so much. Uh, And they're over here taking pictures and getting us together. But I do want to thank them as well. And thank you guys for listening. And please tune back into the exchange. And I will see you guys again another day. All right. Bye-bye.